Hi, it's Damien Christoph here. Are you ready to take your life to the most incredible level possible in 2016? Well, we've had three sold-out wellness summits these last few years, but honestly, nothing comes close to the wellness breakthrough, and we have just three spots remaining. Your favorite wellness couch experts, the wellness guys, Karen Smith, Kim Morrison, Quirky Cookings, Joe Witten, Marcus Pierce, and of course, Carl Brock are gathering in the Dandenong Ranges for three days and two nights for one incredible event. If you want possibly the greatest peer group in health and wellness to help you catapult your life to the next level, then we'd love to see you at the Wellness Breakthrough from February 5th to the 7th. But again, there's only three spots available. Entry to the breakthrough is by application only, and to apply, simply email your contact details to marcus at thewellnesscouch.com. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Leah Follett. Welcome to A Quirky Journey. Join us as we share our family's journeys to good health. You'll find plenty of inspiration, tips and recipe ideas, as well as stories from everyday people who have struggled and overcome health problems and diet challenges in their own families. I'm not Jo Witten, author of the blog and book Quirky Cooking, but she is right here next to me. Hello. And we're joined by our, by our lovely co-host, Fuad. Hi, Fuad. Hi, Fuad. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Good. Good. We're having fun. <laughs> All right, so maybe we should introduce Rachel. So kick us yeah, off. Yeah, we should, with, shouldn't we? Yeah. So, <laughs> so that was actually who, who Rachel. That? <laughs> that was just to confuse you all. That was Rachel. Hi, guys. <laughs> Rachel Favilla, who is the author of the blog Real, real Soup, Soup for the, for real, the real Soul. soul. And she also is um, my helper in the Quirky Gaps group, answering questions in there and keeping an eye on things. Um, what else do you do? Talk um, about yourself, I, I transcribe the A Quirky Journey podcast. Yes, so for those of you who um, are not listening to this podcast <laughs> and wish you could read it, um, you won't hear this. No. <laughs> um, but if you ever want to yeah. read the podcast, um, Rachel transcribes them for me. So yes. you can email and ask yeah. for that. And I'm helping out on your new gut health program group yes. as well. Yep. Um, yeah, that's about it. I'll have a new, I'll have a podcast out on the wellness couch soon, hopefully end of January, if all things go to plan, um, for teenagers. So kind of like this one, but more for specifically, focused on younger people. yeah, focused on younger people because we're kind of left behind in the world of podcasts. I feel so. Rachel's nineteen, yes, and 19. she's um, been on this journey for how long? Oh, well, how far back do we want to go? Probably yeah. since I was eleven, but yeah, yeah, we want to get nitpicky, and she's been. Um, researching and learning and she yeah. is amazing because she oh, knows stop. so much more than most adults I know. Oh, stop it. <laughs> oh, you are an adult now. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> it's just that you're the same age as my daughter. So I, think I know I'm she... like a baby still. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a cool time now when a 19 year old can know more about health and uh, nutrition than uh, I did until I turned 30 years old. I know. You know? So same here. I think I would have awesome. been. Yeah. Probably wow. 40 before I – no, I I don't think I even knew what she knew until about last year. So. <laughs> well, get really sick. Let's not talk about how old I am, though. No. Joe, <laughs> um, so you're going to have to speak up. Why? Uh, can't you hear me? No, I'm just joking. You're getting old and your voice oh, is weird. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's so creepy. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, do you need to take okay. it out? I'm the old one here. I know. Oh, no. <laughs> it's fine. Anyway, we should probably get into 
Yes, we're going, we're going to actually answer your questions tonight. So we've got some um, a Q&A happening here and we've been going through the questions that we were given in the chat group, the Quirky Cooking chat group. So we're going to go through as many of them as we can. We probably won't get through them all in one session, but we'll have a good go of it, won't we? Yeah. So, um, and I just meant to say too, with Rachel's story, if you want to hear her whole story, there is a podcast where I interview Rachel and it's really interesting because she talks about um, anxiety and depression and healing from an autoimmune disease and parasites and gut health and gaps. So I'll link to that on the, Mm. um, on the bottom of the podcast. Or the top. Yeah. Don't think I talked right. about yes. parasites in that one. I didn't okay. know. But maybe we should do one on parasites. We, we well, should. another one. We should. Okay. We should do one on your continuing story. Let's do it. Okay. We'll do that while you're here. Okay. So Rachel's staying with me for the week. So. Yeah. Very lucky. She's cooking for me. It's amazing. All right. <laughs> I, I hate to interrupt. This will keep going if I don't Sorry, say something no. here. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Serious. All right. Serious. So I'll, uh, all right. Let's kick this off. Felicity yeah, right. Cole says, hello. I have a question. What should I fry slash barbecue with? I get um, rice bran oil or olive oil or ghee or coconut oil. Um, Joe, what are your thoughts? I would tend to not use rice bran oil because it's highly processed. We were actually having a talk about this today. Um, Any oils that you can't naturally squeeze something and squish it and get oil out of probably isn't the best thing to use. Um, Whereas olives and coconut and ghee, you can make your own oil at home if you want to, out of those. Um, I would tend to use something that's got a high smoke point for frying and barbecuing. Mm. Ghee is great. Uh, coconut oil is pretty good. Olive oil is probably third. <laughs> yeah, I reckon. And- um, if you look up the smoke points of oils, that's where you get your ideas from of which ones to use for what. But do you want to explain that, Fuad? Yeah, I just want to want to make sure that people know and understand that smoking point isn't the... Uh, be all and end all of uh, oils and frying and all that because you will see that there's a lot of highly processed oils that have a high smoke point, oh, yes, which means yeah, that if you're going by that, you'll uh, end yes. up eating oils Sorry. that are bad. For I you. meant natural ones that are. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I know, but just yeah. to, to clarify. So, uh, in terms of uh, fr- yeah, frying and barbecuing, um, so we know that the uh, saturated fats have a higher smoking point than the uh, monounsaturates or the polyunsaturates. So you get the, the coconut oil uh, is ideal for that. So it's really, really good for uh, having a high smoke point. The problem I find with coconut oil is when it gets really hot, the flavor changes and it just has a bit of a, uh, you know, the flavor is just not as nice when it's yeah, too hot. Um, so uh, I prefer ghee for that, uh, which has, I think, I think it has a lower smoking point uh, because it has more monounsaturates in it than uh, uh, saturated fats, but it's still quite suitable for, for frying. It's a traditional fat for frying, like you see in India. People would uh, fry samosas on the street side with ghee. That's that's a you know, um, it's it's fine for that. Um, you know, just freshness is key. Like don't overuse it. Don't do it too many times, and make sure the oil is clean. Olive oil is, is if it's fresh and it it has a lot of uh, antioxidants in it, which you know, and that comes from freshness basically and proper storage and handling, mm. then you'll get the uh, benefits of uh, the preservatives that are natural in the olive oil that are protected from uh, breaking down at high heat. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, that's... So, you know, 
be careful with olive oil, but if it's really good quality, don't worry about frying too much, but make sure you just don't burn it. Yeah. yeah. Can I just add something to that question? Would that be okay? Sure. I just want to say with the barbecue, just if you can use a hot plate barbecue rather than um, just open, over the open flame because the flame can actually um, turn, like, you know, when you get like the black charring on your food, mm. that can create carcinogens. Um, yeah. So, yeah, just maybe if you're using a barbecue with the frying, you might want to just use the hot plate if you can. Mm. Yeah. It won't be as delicious, but it will be better. <laughs> oh, probably. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, Jenny James, a lot of paleo desserts use coconut cream and more times than not, it's a strong taste and overpowers the food. Um, my screen's gone funny. Um, oh, for example, cheesecake. Yeah, for, Joe, yeah, can you keep going? Yeah, so what's a good substitute for yeah. coconut cream and cheesecake? Um, okay, so I would use cashew cream, swap the two. It doesn't really matter which one you use. It's the same sort of texture and you're setting it with gelatin or you can use agar agar to set it. Um, you can leave it out. Yeah. And just not use, but she, this lady's basically saying she doesn't like the flavor of the coconut. So I would just go for a cashew cream. Um, obviously if you can have dairy, you could do something like a kefir cream. Yeah. Or a homemade sour cream. Homemade sour cream. Yeah. Yeah, or, or like a mild yogurt as well. Yeah, mild yogurt. Yeah, I think that's good. Um, Gemma asks, if you could only pick just three fruits slash vegetables to eat organically, what would they be? Ah, now this is a this is a good one. Um, a lot of times we sort of go for the dirty dozen, try and figure out what's the worst on the list. Um, leafy greens are always yeah. a big one. Yeah, they're number one, I think. Yeah, I think. And broccoli, um, apples are quite heavily sprayed. Berries are definitely heavily, heavily sprayed. Um, so you need to be really careful of those. But um, when we were discussing this before, Fuad had a good point um, that that's not the only thing you could, could should consider. So do you want to mention that, Fuad? Yeah, I think uh, the frequency of consumption is uh, really paramount here. So, like, if you're having vegetables all the time, like, I have a lot of cabbage all the time, mm. and um, I feel not only do I want to lower the toxic load on my body, but also if it's a vegetable that I'm contributing to uh, the economy of, I want to make sure that I'm not, you know, spraying the earth to death with pesticides. So, um, that's for one thing. And also, like... Uh, also, it's better for me because I'm eating, even though it might not be as bad because, um, I don't know, you guys might know better, but I think uh, cabbage is relatively okay because it's yeah, mostly yeah. protected. That's what they but, say, um, just peel off the outer leaves. Yeah, yeah. So, but if, despite that, it's just better for you if it's something that you eat a lot. Like I eat cabbage almost every day. Yeah, um, I, me too. <laughs> I love cabbage. Um, so yeah, that just choose the ones that you eat a lot of, and um, like if you can find that sweet spot where you have a vegetable that you eat a lot of and sits in the uh, dirty dozen, then um, eat that organically. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What's the best egg substitute from tried and tested methods for binding and then for a rice? Um, okay, well, with eggs, one thing, I get this question all the time, can I change your recipe to use chia gel or can I use um, applesauce or whatever? It depends on how many eggs are in the recipe. If it's three or more eggs, you're going to have trouble probably changing it to egg-free. Three mm -hmm. maybe, four probably not. <laughs> and sometimes I get the question with recipes where I've separated the egg yolks from the whites and whipped the whites to give the aeration in the recipe and that's pretty difficult to 
um, do something like that with a chia gel. Um, you're not, it gives you the binding, but it does, doesn't give you the rising. What you can do if it's just a couple of eggs um, and it's, if the eggs are used, you've got to ask yourself, what are the eggs used for in this recipe? If it's just mm. for binding, then chia gel might be fine or banana or applesauce or something. But if it's also for rising, you need to add a bit more um, bicarb soda or baking powder. Um, I do have a, a ratio in my cookbook in the substitute section. Do you guys want to add anything to that? Uh, I, I, I don't have any experience in egg-free baking. I'm sorry. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I think tapioca is good for binding. That's okay. like a very sticky yeah. kind of starch that helps a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if you're making like a, an almond bread or something like that, a couple of spoons of tapioca really, really help. Yeah. Um, and if anyone's wondering what chia gel is, basically instead of one egg, it's one tablespoon of chia seeds ground up with three tablespoons of water. And that replaces one egg. And you just let it sit for five minutes and it turns into a gel. Kelly says, what do you think of using the powdered bone broths if you are time poor? Okay, so like broth of life, um, broth powder, I always have them on hand for when I run out of broth actually because when you're in a rush. Yeah, they're so handy. They're so handy. And is, is a bone broth like gelatin? What is it? Yes, so it does have the gelatin in it. So they make the broths traditionally with the organic bones um, broth of life. I've I've looked. I actually know the lady that owned it, and um, I, I know the two ladies that own it now, and they've talked me through it. Um, so they make the bone broth traditionally. It's beautifully made. It's a beautiful broth that that gels just like a normal broth, and then they simmer it down, simmer it down until they can dehydrate it. They've had it scientifically tested, and it's got everything in it that. You know, when you reconstitute it, it's got everything in it that a normal broth has. Yeah. The only thing that I find is you don't have the flavour and when you use it, you don't have that thick jelly feeling of it. Mm. But Is it, is it flavourless? It no, doesn't have salt in it, so you oh, won't get yes, much flavour. Oh, does it? Yeah, it does. It does have salt. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. It doesn't have much flavour. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice. I like it like added to things that you've already mm. used, like to enhance the broth, give it, it even more healing. It actually does have flavour when I add it to things. Oh, sorry, I, I, yeah. I just mean like sometimes I've had – in a mug, yeah. it's not the same as like when, the you've same. Just, yeah. when you've just made a fresh chicken broth and you're having it. And that it. tastes amazing. Yeah. Can you make like a fruit jelly out of the powder? Or no, just, no, no, no. Oh. It does have a bit of flavour, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's just when um, people have said to me, I bought some of that and I put it in a – you know, put a spoonful in a cup of boiling water and it didn't dissolve properly and it didn't taste nice. I'm like, yeah, I usually cook with it. Yeah. You know, I, I put it into the yeah. um, the water in a recipe and let it cook like you would with a yeah. stock cube. Mm, yeah, basically. I think nutritionally it's like just it's as good. Mm. But if you want the like the full broth experience, like having a, a hot brothy, like yeah. it just <laughs> needs to be homemade. But, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a great product if you're time poor. Yeah, I do yeah. too. Michelle says, I eat paleo and am fructose intolerant. If I tried the gap site, could I eventually include high fructose back into my diet? I so miss onions and garlic. This one is for Rachel. <laughs> um, I was, yeah, I was the typical fructose malabsorbed, malabsorbed person, um, especially when it came to onion and garlic. Look, I did gaps and within a few, oh, within a few weeks I was able to have garlic again and about a month I was able to have onion 
um, the my only tip would so I, most people I think will get enough healing to introduce it because I was severely intolerant to onion. I wasn't just like oh a little bit. It was like really bad. What, what kind of symptoms did you have? Like massive stomach dis- distension, um, like just re- like stomach cramps, like yeah. really painful. Mm-hmm. Gas, not to, too much information. Yeah. Just putting it out there, it happened, um, and that went away. But um, I really overdid it then with the onion, and um, I started reacting to it again. I had to take it out for a bit, but I've just recently introduced it, and it's doing okay again. I, so I'd say bring it back, but don't have like don't make yourself French onion soup. Maybe just <laughs> you know put it um, like one onion in a whole meal, and you can have that, that meal. Or if you're making something individual serve maybe just use a quarter of an onion i'd still rely on things like chives if you want that flavor and you want more of it just to ear on the side of caution but if you if there's no other underlying problems as to why you wouldn't be healing i'd say that you'll definitely heal enough to get it back just not in, in excessive amounts yeah yeah I, I agree i think with with uh, any kind of intolerance or allergy or something like that uh, you have to look at the factors of where they come from. If they come from genetic factors and it's something that you won't be able to change through food, then no diet is going to be able to help you. Um, but uh, if it is something that's just come from a dysbiosis, say, for instance, you don't have the right bacteria in your stomach or your immune system is not right and all that, then uh, a, the suitable diet will help you. And if GAPS turns out to be the suitable diet for you, then it uh, will help you. But, uh, yeah, there's no guarantee that it, it is... But uh, anecdotally, it seems to be a great diet for that. Is that correct, Rachel? Yeah, absolutely. And I just actually thought of something else. Onion and garlic are both very highly anti-parasitic. So it could be – I actually sometimes wonder whether instead of having fructose smell absorption, I'd actually – it was my parasites because there were lots of fructose smell absorption things that I was – like the FODMAPs, I should say, that I was actually okay with, whereas I shouldn't have been. Um, So sometimes if if you have a problem with them – you might, I'm not saying you do have parasites, but you might want to look into that. And also, if you have any issues with coconut oil, you might want to look into that because those are like mm-hmm. three highly anti-parasitic foods. And if you have yeah. parasites, they're not going to like it. Yeah, really good point. Ma- Mary spoke about that in our podcast did, together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look, that was really enlightening. So, she was uh, making the fermented garlic, wasn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Try that actually. So yeah, I guess Michelle, the good thing to do is to try to do some root cause analysis. He's a software engineer in me talking about root cause analysis. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you just have to kind of uh, try to find out why you're intolerant to fructose and work your way from there. And um, yeah, see, uh, hopefully it's something that's manageable and you can get back to health on a high quality diet such as GAPS. And good luck. Yeah, uh, good luck, Michelle. Yeah. Next one's for you, Fouad. Yeah. All right. Mel. Hi, Mel. Mel's our friend. She wants to know how much butter Fouad eats each week. (laughs) Um, Well, firstly, hi, Mel. Uh, Thanks for your question. And um, that's a very good question. I I know you're having a good laugh at me at the moment about how much butter I eat. Um, Well, there was a time in my life when I ate a lot of butter. And um, I could sometimes, like, maybe three years ago, my snack at work was like a half stick of butter with a, with a few carrots or something oh, like that. Oh, like, wow. Yeah, and, and people would just look at me like as if I was like, I was planet. dying. And then I go and get lunch. I swear this happened to me one day. Like, I went uh, to the um, this place next to my work and I was buying 
um, lunch and I, I asked the guy to give me all the vegetables that had all these steamed vegetables. I said, well, just give me steamed vegetables and can you just put some, some butter on top? And I also got the lamb. So he, he gave me the lamb. I said, can I have a bit of pork crackling as well, you know? And, um, and the girl looked at me like next to me as if I was dying from something. And this was like my last meal on earth. And like, I was just like, as if like the only way you could eat this and survive is just, you know, if you're not going to survive. <laughs> and, um, and there was like so much butter and so much fat on it. I'm really not afraid of that stuff at all. Like, I, I even like, uh, remember sometimes, um, just like having like a dry spot on my arm and just uh, had some butter in front of me. I just moisturized with butter. So, yeah. like, you know, it's, it's not it's great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good, you know, and I think it's a good quality butter and we, we have a lot of cows and grass in Australia and we have like, um, West gold butter that comes from New Zealand and they have all their cattle on grass there. And if it's grass fed butter, there's no real reason to, to um, worry about eating it unless you're having a lot of, um, you know, uh, other kind of uh, refined carbohydrates with it. So if you're having like a paleo diet and, and you're eating a whole foods diet, then you don't worry about your butter consumption as much. So, I'll, you know, sometimes I, I could have reached around a stick a day. That was, yeah. but now, and, and I also used to do that uh, butter coffee yeah. for a while. And um, it helped me a lot. I lost I lost a lot of weight on that. You know, I've lost 34 kilos yeah. um, all up. And, and that um, was while you were doing that. Yeah. And yeah. that's great it's too. It's a good testimony. Yeah. 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 Eat butter. Yeah, it's, it's really good. It's a nutritionally dense food. It doesn't spike your insulin. It's very uh, satiating. You don't feel hungry when you have it. Yeah. Um, and it's... Uh, yeah, low in toxicity, you know, especially if it comes from a, a good cow. So there's, yeah. yeah, I don't find that, that to be problematic. But now I just, like my diet has changed um, a lot since I've lost all that weight. And because uh, my concern isn't around the carbohydrates as much, because I used to be insulin resistant and that was a big problem for me. But now I'm okay with carbohydrates. So I have a more uh, garden variety paleo diet, which has a lot of different vegetables, um, sufficient amounts of fat and protein, and I just eat like a like a normal human being, a who is not conscious of his diet. You know, it's someone who just mm. eats food. Um, but I just still avoid like the glutinous grains and the, uh, you know all the refined stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. We should just mention here about fats. Um, I do get the question of the other way. Some people worry that it's going to put weight on them some people worry that okay fats are supposed to be good for losing weight i don't want to lose weight so mm. how much fat should i have yeah. um and both rachel and i were both the opposite of who we needed to gain weight mm. and we've both found fats really helpful for us so who knows mate what does it do it how does that work it just body. balances well, i suppose it assists so much with if you're having the really good fats it assists with the healing and then yeah. your body does with the nutrients what it wants to do yeah 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 it's, it's certainly about uh, making you healthy it's not making you lose weight it's making you healthy yeah so yeah, if, if you come is. from yeah i think yeah come. seeing it as a need like don't think about weight like we need fat if yeah like, regardless of our weight mm. yeah. yeah i mean the purpose of any kind of intervention diet is to bring you to a place of health and then after that it should just yeah. move over to just normal eating that's right and so um yeah, so eat food that is low in toxicity to your specific needs, whatever your toxic, you know, 
aversions are just avoid those. Mm. Eat the foods that are full of nutrition and low in toxicity. Get to a place of health. Supplement with things like probiotics. Get a lot of sunshine. A bit of movement in your day. A lot of uh, good, happy people around you. And you're doing well. Yeah. I think. All right. So Jade says... Uh, have we covered this one, Joe? No, we haven't. Um, Okay. Uh, Jay says, I've been trying to substitute coconut oil for ghee in baking due to uh, sensitivity. Would it be a one-to-one ratio? I know I can't replace for everything. Uh, Okay, so basically she's using ghee instead of coconut oil. And I think that's perfectly fine. I, when we first started GAPS, I was using coconut oil all the time because I couldn't handle any dairy. And it took a long time to get to the place where I could use ghee. But now that I can use ghee, I use it for everything. Mm, it's so <laughs> it's just so yummy. Now and then I'll do something with coconut oil because I know, um, you know, there's still people like at the stage that I was mm. um, where I couldn't have the ghee. So I do yeah. recipes for yeah. them. Or for I didn't know that you ate ghee that much. Time. You use it for everything, do you? Is that I, use right? it, I use it in like if I'm frying meat, I always put a fair bit of ghee in the pan if I'm doing scrambled yeah. eggs, if oh. I'm... I've got a bit of a treat for you then next time you come to Sydney. Awesome. Is it the pepper sayaki? No, it's actually, uh, it's a very, very difficult to find product. Um, It's a Middle Eastern product, which um, is actually sheep's milk ghee. Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, yeah, very, it's hard to find in Australia and it's hard to make because um, sheep's milk comes out. Uh, like naturally homogenized oh. so um, you, the fat doesn't float on top okay. so they have to actually put it through the centrifuge and you know but the, you know you have to be in a country where there's a lot of uh, sheep, sheep. That, yeah. That, yeah and not only sheep but sheep that you know are dairy sheep yeah okay yeah, so. well that'll be but interesting that, yeah, yeah I, nice. add, really nice. I add a couple of giant big spoonfuls to just about every meal like yeah, if you put it in the lamb broth last yeah, night I made, amazing yeah I made some lamb broth for Rachel with um, mm-hmm. lamb shanks garlic onion bit of vinegar and then big heap of ghee <laughs> so <Wow>. good <laughs> tastes so good mm. yeah but yeah I definitely I, there's maybe something like a a cheesecake where you add coconut oil to the creamy mixture. I don't know how ghee would go in that, but other than that, try it. You could try it. Yeah, it works in, uh, you know, when I wasn't gluten free and I uh, did use coconut oil, mm-hmm. um, like because my wife's dairy intolerant. Mm-hmm. Coconut oil actually does um, do sh- like shortbread and that kind of stuff. Yeah. It works fine for it. It's, it's not, yeah, it's not a big deal. Um, yeah, next question. Okay, so this one is from Beatrice, and she'd like to know Fuad's daughter's story because you've mentioned it that she needs to eat gluten free, but you haven't really talked about it in depth. So, do you want to give us a bit of a? Yeah, so so I actually my daughter doesn't have like any kind of crazy stories, um, and she's not gluten intolerant. I am in the household. Um, the my daughter Sarah has no allergies at all. Uh, my little one Sophie. She's got dairy and egg allergies, and she has some problems with um, some nuts and some uh, berries, like strawberry. Okay. And um, 
I don't know why. Not really sure. Um, the, like both of them came into the world in very similar ways uh, from the same woman, you know. So and who was healthy as well. So it's not like there's uh, any specific story that I can tell around Sophie. Uh, it's just that she was born with uh, these allergies. She get her skin gets like blotchy and uh, she starts scratching a lot when she has food that irritates her. Uh, but it's not the gluten. The gluten has always been my issue. And um, we don't have gluten in our house because we believe that if we include anything that is actually made with like a pasta or a bread or anything like that, that it will replace um, other calories in our diet that could be nutritionally dense otherwise. So, um, you know, like instead of having uh, just a piece of bread with, you know, I don't know what people have, like say a bit of ham or whatever, we just have like the ham with vegetables and an avocado. Yeah. So we end up having similar or even a little bit more um, calories, but they're better calories for Yeah, me. yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, but your wife is dairy-free, so... My wife's dairy-free. Yeah, and, so... Um, we're, we're looking at starting gaps mm-hmm. this year. Yeah. Um, like, hopefully within the next few weeks, if we, if we can manage it. Um, so we just then this podcast uh, will change over from a quirky journey to a... A Fuad journey, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... We'll record yours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll definitely be talking about it. I'll, t- yeah. I'll be talking about it. It's, uh, But may, may as well talk about it now in that there is a, a trepidation around it mm. that we feel uh, there's I know this a lot really of good, commitment. I know this and, really good program you could do. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, when is it out? Is it ready, Joe? Not quite. <laughs> So, guys, if you don't know, Joe's working on a uh, GAPS uh, program, and it should be ready um, within the next four weeks sometime. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. Hoping. And yeah, just basically helping people cook through the intro phase because that's the bit that overwhelms everybody. Mm. Yeah, and, and that's where we're at. We're at the o- overwhelmed and daunted by the prospect of starting GAPS phase. Which is so crazy it's, uh, because you guys yeah. eat paleo, which is so close anyway. Yeah, yeah we, we do, but um, also we've got really young fruit. kids. Yeah, that's who, true. Yeah, uh, making, you know. Taking out the fruit and stuff is difficult for little kids. Yeah, and like Sarah has zero need for yeah. gaps, and then you have a highly restricted diet for Sophie, and she's going to look at what Sarah's eating. Uh, you know, and yeah, I don't yeah. want to put Sarah through that as well. So, like, there's all these things that are going in my head. I'm blaming and I trying to resolve these things before we move forward. So, oh, we'll be interested to hear what you decide to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I might, um, yeah, just uh, take Sarah and go live somewhere else for a few weeks. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I've pretty much got a gaps retreat going here, so right, right. Oh, well, yeah. Maybe they come up and stay with you, Joe. Yeah, they can come up here and, and swim yeah. in the lake every day. Yeah, Perfect. Right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tracy, what to do if you accidentally get glutened um, and how to detox? We did talk about that in the last podcast, which is the Christmas podcast. So, Tracy, you might want to have a listen to that one. Um, we talk about when you. Um, pretty much whatever whatever your allergy is or your intolerance when you accidentally get a reaction from having a little bit, some ways to detox. Do you want to um, talk about that at all, Rachel? Um, you got anything to say on that? 
I don't know. I was like, if I got gluten, I'd just cry. <laughs> um, yeah, just that's a detox mechanism. Yeah, I know. That's right. Yeah, so have a good cry and then um, <laughs> make a broth. Yeah, just I'd say take it right back to basics for maybe like five days or so, and just yeah. really easy to digest <laughs> stuff. Um, lots of greens to just greens are really good for a detox. Um, mm. Garlic's really good. Fermented foods, just yeah, all basically do a really in- all those stage one gaps. Yes, do stage one <laughs> or two or so um, gaps just to yeah. give your body the best shot at rejuvenating itself and um, them, yeah. It's funny, whenever I, um, in the past, before I started gaps, whenever I had a reaction to dairy, um, it was always like a, it would end up like a flu feeling. Mm. You know, I'd get this flu sort of thing. And to get rid of it, I would do pretty much gaps I didn't know gaps back then but I would go completely grain free dairy free sugar free um and broths and everything and that's how I would get over it and then I would get over it in about two or three days yeah chicken soup chicken soup chicken soup yeah yeah I I like the um there's this uh, meditation technique that I use called drain which is uh, like recognize accept investigate and nourish which I find works for this as well because like a lot of the times when we get an exposure to some kind of uh, allergen like say gluten we don't know about it uh, you, and you can get grumpy or you can just uh, have mood swings or get tired and you don't know why you begin by recognizing that something has happened so you start by going oh yeah actually I had gluten and you go yeah well, then you accept it there's no you know, need to get angry about it and then uh you know you just uh investigate so you go like how how did this happen make sure it doesn't happen again and then you you nourish at the end which works really well hey i like that yeah Um, I have nightmares that I get gluten and I wake up, I'm like, that's okay, I didn't eat the cake. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know you're overdoing it when you're, you know, having a nightmare about gluten. I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's obvious that you've had reactions though. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They've been severe. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Yes. All right, Bronte says, actually... That file is just completely corrupted here. Uh, okay, Joel, you you're going to have to read the yeah, question. Okay. Yeah. Um, Bronte says, the basics of how to make a meal plan that works so you're not making dinner at 9 p.m. at night and buying lunch every day. 9 p.m. overnight, I think she means so making dinner for the next day, I think, and buying lunch mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. Okay, well, um, there's a lot of different ways to go about meal planning. And for some people, um, it, if you're a real structured scheduled list making type of organized person which I used to be before I had kids no <laughs> for what I know you don't believe that but I used to be and no, um, <laughs> it's not true it don't is, like to listen it's, it's so true I was so scheduled but my kids all slept you know to a time schedule they were very scheduled children my mom did that with me yeah, yeah. and they just all slept through the night mm. nicely and did the good things that babies are supposed to do but um when it came to meal planning I got a bit slack after a while because it I actually used to meal plan for a whole month at a time for Wow. Oh, and God. I had that up on my fridge um but I think you can overdo it <laughs> <laughs> because we did discuss this earlier if you have this idea that you have to stick to recipes that you've picked out ahead of time um, and then you go to the shops and there's something that's in season and it's on special and it's good quality and 
you know, you really should be eating seasonal local produce. You go to the markets, you get your veggie box or whatever, and it um, it doesn't fit into your meal plan. What are you going to do? Let it go bad on the countertop? So yeah. what I generally do, and this is what my mum always taught me, was do I kind of do a few shops in a week. I don't. I know they say you save more money if you do one shop a week, but I just can't seem to do that. I go like I'll go to the markets on say a Saturday morning. I'll get my veggie box on a Thursday afternoon, and I'll also go to the butchers somewhere in there in the supermarket. And depending on what I've got in those boxes or what's at the markets, I'll make my meal plan from that. So um, I try to use what I've got on hand to make my meal plan. So I'll, I'll do my meal plan after I've been shopping. And then the next time I go shopping, I'll get whatever else I need. So we know who's doing the meal plan section for our failure cookbook. It's <laughs> a huge job because I, I've never done a meal plan in my life. <laughs> like we usually just cook a big batch or something. We eat that for like a, you know, a day and a half or two. Yep. And then we make another batch for something else. Yeah. Um, but like, what's, why, why do people do meal plans? Why well, is that a thing? The thing is, if you're working full time, and you get home at the end of the day and you go, oh, what's for dinner? I'm exhausted. It's 6 p.m. Some people, you know, it's 7 p.m. They open the fridge. There's nothing there. It's stressful. And they end up, everyone's starving. The kids are cranky. The husband's cranky or whatever. And you just end up going to the shops and buying something quick or getting takeaway. And that happens a lot. I've had people who work, when I was doing thermomix demonstrations and I'd go to people's home and cook with them, I've had people tell me that they bought meals out five times a week right okay because of that whole it's too stressful i get home and i'm tired thing but i find if i know ahead of time what i'm going to cook and it, and you can do it really flexible you don't have to plan every meal um what you can do is make a list of five meals that you're going to make in the, and and try to vary the meat and veggies so you might say one day's fish one day's vegetarian one day's chicken one day's beef one day's lamb so pick out those things first and then say, okay, what am I going to make out of those? Pick out recipes from what's in season and what you've got in the fridge and freezer and just do five meals that you can write on the list, stick it on the fridge, and then you can swap and change it on what days you feel like having it. So if you, you know, you might you might come home, you go, well, I don't have time for the roast, but I do have time for the butter chicken, so I'll do that one tonight. So you can mm. be more flexible with it. Yeah. Um, and as much as possible, prepare ahead. Like a lot of people do weekend baking and batch cooking and get stuff in the freezer. But even if you just chop up a heap of veggies and put them in bags in the fridge, like chop up a whole pumpkin into cubes, chop up a whole bag of carrots, a whole heap of broccoli, put it all into the fridge ready to go. And you can grab that out and cook a really quick meal in 20 minutes because yeah. everything's already chopped. Mm, that's so true. Um, so so things like that, if you know what veggies you're going to be using in your meals for the next couple of days, you can chop them two days early if you want to, so for most things. Mm. Um, and I find it's good to get help if you've got kids and if you've got or neighbour kids or somebody that's, you know, 10 years old or more yeah. <laughs> that can chop veggies. Pay them a little bit to come and help you with prep if you need to. Like, yeah, For me, I find the veggies to be the least consuming. Uh, well, I just find a thing. lot of people don't cook home home meals yeah. because all of that chopping time they think it just takes too long right okay it's done <laughs> yeah maybe that's that, that might be it. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I think the meat is sort of like where I I love okay. to sort of have like let's say I I cook like a in the slow cooker that mm. lamb shoulder or beef yeah. like a roast or something and then you cut it up and you freeze it already yeah. cooked something that would otherwise have taken a long time yeah that's then right you should you can just use it you, but, and I love that you know I love just being able to use these I things love like being able these to do that kind of thing on the weekend yeah. just we cook a heap of stuff we'll have a roast on a Sunday and then we'll have roast meat left over for that's the week right. yeah, yeah. cut really it really easy. thin <laughs> yeah and serve yeah. it with heaps of veggies and then you absolutely yeah. Yeah. And, and I think simplifying your expectation of a meal it doesn't yes. need to be a spread or anything like that like no. a, sim- a single dish you know just yeah. one thing and and I always have things in the fridge that can be used as fillers so I've got things like sauerkraut yeah. Um, I might have, like, I've got a fermented beetroot dip that's um, a Kehoe's kitchen. kitchen. Oh, Love so, that. Good. so good. You can dollop it on food. You can I'm gonna eat have it some with of that seed later. crackers, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, sour, sour cream. Avocado. Avocado, yeah. It's expensive filler, but still a filler. Veggie <laughs> crackers that you can make yourself and dehydrate, which I have a recipe coming up in my program. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nut butter. I really like the sauerkraut thing because I think, like, um, what I do with it sometimes I um, – I treat it like a cabbage in a yes. salad, so I would actually yeah, put yeah, olive oil and so, like I put sesame oil and sesame seeds in it, and Yum. that's it's, it's really good. And you just need like a couple of drops of sesame oil to add yeah. the plate. Just um, eggs, it's, you know, eggs take the work. Yeah, out that's meals. true. Actually, <laughs> Yeah. Okay, we should go on to the next one. Yes, sorry, this one's for Okay, I... this one's Erin, and she says. Oh, sorry. Okay. Oh, no, sorry. She also asked about um, meal planning, so we'll go on yeah. to the next yeah. one. Okay. Right. Jenny says, I know alcohol is not recommended, but if I were to have a drink or two, what is the safest? So that's for you, Fuad, because I wouldn't have a clue. Me <laughs> <Yeah>. neither. <laughs> yeah, well, it really depends where the um, the problem lies. Like if you're on a paleo diet, like um, paleo with, um, say, the best alcohol to have would be red wine. Um, I mean, that's the probably the oldest, most traditional fermented alcohol that we have um but is it high uh, in sugar or um it's all right i mean it's um it's what like it depends on the variety of uh of the grape that you're having uh but a lighter kind of uh, wine is fine if you're having a glass as well it's okay i mean there's there's enough in it enough good stuff in it like in terms of antioxidants and also stress relief um uh, that it just helps you know um not that you don't stress too much about having that drink, you know. It's just it's fine to have a glass of red wine, say, with dinner. Um, but that that comes from the fact that it's not toxic in terms of fructose that's been converted into alcohol, uh, and the amount of alcohol is low enough that it doesn't hurt you. Um, and um, the other other thing they say in paleo is like the clear spirits are are best, and the ones that are distilled from things other than grain is best as well. So like a vodka is, is probably fine, a tequila is fine. Um, things like uh, beer, they're not good because they um, first they high too high in sugar and they've come from malted barley, which is glutinous and you have traces of gluten in there. Um, you, uh, apple cider is usually way too sweet anyway and uh, you shouldn't have that because it's got too much sugar. It's almost like drinking like uh, apple juice but you end up drinking too much of it and um, it's not good um, so yes yeah, st- stick with a glass of red wine whenever you feel like it um, you know with dinner don't make it a, a big habit just something that you you have on occasion and um, with the clear spirits you can just 
I know um, Rob Wolf does like a, a margarita with tequila and that kind of stuff. Um, uh, if you Google Rob Wolf, um, what does he call it? I'll, I'll find the R-O-W-B. name of the show notes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Thank yeah. you. That's all. What foods burn berry? Uh, what foods trigger migraines? What food allergens? Um, I've tried eliminating nightshades. This doesn't affect me. Neither does chocolate, but artificial sweeteners do. Hmm. Okay, so Rachel's going to talk about this. She's been studying this in nutrition. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just started this one actually. Um, I think with migraines, and don't take my word for it, look, you might, someone out there might be listening going, well, actually, I have a dairy allergy and that triggers migraines. So I'm sorry, but in general, from what I've been told um, and what I'm learning at uni, it's generally a more, more of a food additive type reaction. So MSG is a big one. Um, also, just general food additives, anything that kind of has a number, artificial sweeteners definitely, um, especially because some of them, the body um, doesn't quite recognize what they are and that can trigger an autoimmune response. Um, I know that things like MSG and some of the artificial sweeteners like aspartame can cross the blood-brain barrier and if, you know, if that's doing stuff to the brain, that can cause a headache. Um, yeah, so probably I'd say just eat real food and... If you're eating stuff out of a packet, just be really beware of food additives. Maybe get one of those pocket, um, mm. those one those little food additive pocket handbooks from the bookstore, or you can probably get them online, and they'll often tell you which food additives will trigger migraines, and you can just avoid them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, um, I find with my son, he's 16, and he's very susceptible to getting overheated and yes. overtired yeah so if he gets really hot in the summer like running around playing sports or something that will trigger a migraine for him and yeah. and um dehydrated yeah so be so, careful it's not always food i think yeah. we're very quick to blame food and it can be food a lot of the time but just try and look at other things in your day like how stressed are you how much water did you drink yeah yeah to get overheated yeah yeah all of those are you things. eating enough because i get a headache if i don't eat yeah that's properly and i get too. low blood sugar mm. Yeah, so yeah, there's a lot of factors. Uh, like migraines are, are a bit different from what I hear to just like normal headaches. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. Yeah. I've only uh, ever had one in my life, thanks. Ever had one? Yeah. How bad is it? Is it really bad? It's really bad. You can't see properly. Um, oh. you, you basically have to just sleep because you can't see. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. Mm. How to gain healthy muscle mass on paleo or gaps, um, Kerry would like to know. So, um Probably both of you guys have some good ideas on this. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, you have to be exercising to gain the lean muscle mass. I find I found with gaps initially I did lose a bit of weight, um, but I put it back on plus a bit more. And it was I, I, I think it's just all the good quality protein and fat you're eating and I suppose you're not having all those blood sugar spikes with all the carbohydrates. So just every mouthful is nutrient dense and you're finally healing as well. So you're actually starting to absorb stuff and your body can mm. use it to make muscle. And I just found it was like almost effortless after a few months. I just, mm. yeah, really I, like I'm, yeah, I'm really lean. Like I don't have any fat on me, but I have quite a bit of muscle for mm. my tiny little frame. And I haven't like, I don't pump iron or anything at the gym. It's just <laughs> a bit of running and cycling here and there and a good diet and, I don't, that, simple yeah like mm. I've got good genes but as well thanks mm. mum um, but yeah that's all I had to do it was pretty easy the the diet and just kind of takes care of itself really mm. 
Uh, <clears throat> I'll just add to that. Yeah. Um, I think with uh, like adding on the muscle as well, like that, that's quite often something that people who go on paleo or whatever will like want to have a, a lot more muscle on, like because they're feeling really fit and they want to be strong. Um, sometimes uh, the strength isn't proportional to the amount of muscle that you seem to have on you. Be, the people have different body types, and yes, some people yeah, find it much really easier to put on muscles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not really the like; it, it's just the how healthy you feel. And I, I think um, I also like with um, you know, as I'm getting older. Uh, my focus is becoming less and less on uh, just having more and more muscle, but more uh, focusing on flexibility and mobility. And that's that's a really big part of, I think, as people grow up, um, this this is what sort of looks after you in your old age, you know. Yeah, and, uh, being, yeah, yeah if, if you're not flexible now and you don't have muscle, like, I think the flexibility is probably the high priority. Just make sure that whatever exercise you're doing is actually focusing on mobility yeah, that's a very good point. Okay, Marion, is the Thermix version of any paleo cookbooks, especially Pete Evans, coming out soon, or is this question for a different page? Well, Marion, we're glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we have a paleo cookbook coming out soon, don't we, Fouad? Well, not yes. too soon because we've got to we've got to actually get it done. But we can say this year. This year, yay! Yeah, finally. Yeah. So quirky mm. paleo, we have tried and. Tried and failed a few times, haven't we? Not failed, but we just haven't really got started properly a few times. Yeah, I think we, we just weren't ready for we it. Weren't. I think uh, yeah. now we're and just we know more now. Yeah, it's we gonna do. It's going to be more awesome. Yeah, this, uh, <laughs> so our, our aim for this book is to um, hopefully um, create a book which becomes the classic period cookbook. So, like the one that um, you, you'll be able to pass on to your children and then to have them have you go to their grandchildren because. Um, yeah. You know, we, we feel that this diet will stand the test of time. There's no doubt. It already has. I mean, mm-hmm. it is the paleo diet, so it's the oldest diet that we know of. Um, and we just want to have, like, a cookbook that's just absolutely beautiful. And, yeah, definitely uh, the type yeah. of book that you hand down. You know, a bit like, um, uh, what's her name, Ju- Julie, Julia? No. Julia Child? Yes. Julia, yeah. yeah, we'll just, yeah. It'll be yeah. like that, the paleo version. Yeah. <laughs> but, but a bit quirky at the same time. And quirky yeah. at the same time. Yeah. She was a bit quirky. She was pretty yeah. quirky. No, we, we are um, working on that, so stay tuned for that. Um, and it will have Thermix versions, but it will also have non-Thermix versions. So whether you have a Thermix or not, you will love it. We promise. Right. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, Erin also asks, gaining weight for little people. My 17-month-old hasn't gained more than a kilo since she was six months. She eats well, mainly paleo with a bit of rice and your quirky cooking gluten-free bread. Tips for helping her to gain weight and how to do paleo gaps nut-free. Okay, there's lots in that one. Mm. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so as we mentioned before, both Rachel and I have struggled with gaining weight. And for me, I found... Until I healed my gut, I could not gain weight. I tried, Same. I tried all my teenage years, all my early twenties, um, right up to till I was thirty-five, and I was around forty-two to forty-five kilos all that time. Couldn't gain weight. Um, when I was about thirty-five, I started seeing a naturopath and changing my diet to heal my gut, and I gained five kilos in one year. So if that can be the problem, um, that there's gut issues, yeah. 
what would you say about that, Rachel? Yeah, I'm very, very similar to you. Couldn't I could um, I could inflame, so I could put on. It was I could yeah more so retain fluid, so I could put on weight quickly if I ate the wrong foods. But then as soon as I went back to eating my normal diet, I'd lose that plus interest. And mm. at my thinnest, I was 28 kilos, wow. which I'm really short, by the way. So that's not as bad as it sounds, but it was still pretty bad. It's pretty bad. <laughs> it is pretty bad, but I'm, I'm like not even five foot. So anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, I just, yeah. But once you heal your gut, it's just so easy. And you just kind of balance out to where you need to be, mm. I find. And you just look right. And I think with little ones, um, it also depends on are they breastfeeding? If they're breastfeeding, are you giving them the breastfeed? Depending on their age, if they're past six months, you should be giving them um, the solids and probably the solids first, then the breastfeed, because a lot of times babies will fill up on the breast milk. You know, and they're a year old and they're still filling up on breast milk and they're not really getting as much from it anymore because they need to move on to solids. Yeah, they're at a different life stage. Yeah, so it's important to get the really nutritious, nutrient-dense foods into them first, and then the breastfeed is kind of dessert. And I found that with my kids, I had to teach them that, you know, around a year old. Mm. I found – sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say um, something my mum would always make for me to try and help me build strength um, was homemade egg custard with banana on top. Yep. Just that's my ultimate comfort food, like that, whenever I'm sick. Same here, that and also banana smoothies. Yeah, that banana always helps. Smoothie, yeah, me too. Porridge is a really good mm-hmm. with like lots of fruit, like dates in them. And yeah, although those really hearty, like soul comforting foods, Irish mm. stews, another one that was really yeah. good. Yeah, just all that um, classic stuff. I think if, if it's a 17 month old. Definitely go see a nutritionist, uh, a, a gas specialist, or mm. definitely like that. This is not if you're something trying to that, eat paleo and gaps, especially. Yeah, you do need so to go see if your kid's not putting on weight at that age. Yeah. It's really important that you seek professional help for, yeah. for, for the child, it's really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, but with gaining weight, um, mostly carbohydrates, I mean, yes. that's the that's the stuff that make raise your insulin. And then your insulin goes up, then it signals to your fat cells to store fat. And um, if you can handle dairy, that's like uh, it has insulin like growth factor, which instigates growth in uh, human being. I mean, that's why we give children milk, I mean, that's what makes them grow. Uh, so if, it, if the kids on a dairy free paleo for no reason, definitely they should be on, on dairy. Yeah. Uh, they have to have that. Um, and it can be yeah. fermented dairy, which is easier to handle. Yeah. Fermented dairy, if, it's, if that's the problem, yeah. just keep keep like dairy. Like dairy is is very important. I, I really think so for a child as well. Like if because uh, typically you would have breastfed them for a long, long time, and if the uh, milk is not there, you should have something that that is like milk. But again, a nutritionist or uh, some a health specialist, someone who can investigate why your child's not putting on weight at, the, at 17 months old, they should be growing really quickly. They should be putting on a lot of weight, more definitely more than a kilo. Since. Yeah, yeah, six months, that's a year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'd really be looking at the gut with that yeah. one. Just, you know, malabsorption maybe. Also how to do paleo gaps nut-free. Um, at the start of one of our podcasts earlier with Mary McKenzie, Kelly McKenzie, I always get her name mixed up, (laughs) Mary from Good Mood Food, she talked about this because her son was anaphylactic to nuts and still is 
Um, that's the one allergy that they're still working through. The rest of them they've healed. Um, but she, you could probably listen to that um, podcast. But really a lot of recipes that have nuts in them can be substituted for sunflower seeds and, and pepitas. Mm. Um, if it's a nut cream or a nut milk, you can use coconut milk or coconut cream. Um, you can, uh, if you're on gaps, you'll start adding in um, soured dairy cream and sour, you know, yogurt that's been fermented for 24 hours and things like that. So it is easier to do nut-free, I think, on gaps than paleo probably. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of substitutes for nuts. So it depends on the recipe, really. Yeah, the problem comes when in paleo is when you're trying to make bread. Yeah. And you can't use flour. And then hey, I've got bread seeds made with pepitas and it's yummy. Yeah, so there you go. That's yeah. Go on my blog and yeah. look up the zucchini pepita bread. Oh, and I make muffins that are just coconut oil and eggs. There's no... Oh, what, how do you do that? Um, You just... Oh, what's the recipe exactly? I think it's two cups of melted coconut oil and six eggs and you put that all in like a food processor or the Thermomix or the Vitamix and you whip it up and you just put it into... Um, I think how's many does it make? can't remember, but as many muffin tins, basically, as it'll fill. Is it in your blog? Yeah, sorry, it's on my blog. I think um, Ultimate Keto Muffins, I think it's called, on realsoupforthereelsoul.com. So oh, that's good. Yeah. And you can use that as a bit of a base, like add things to it? Like, Absolutely. And yeah. if you're not nut-free, there's a, um, a recipe that uses nuts. And, yeah, you could go, yeah, be, oh, be, be experimental with it. That's like the template. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. Okay, so we did um, answer the question. Also, Wendy had the same question about gaining weight, so we've answered mm. that. We probably should finish off pretty soon because we've been going nearly an hour. Mm. Um, but is there anything else that you guys want to say there? Can you see anything else you want to talk about quickly? Um, well, there's a few questions about uh, will there be a vegetarian, pale- vegetarian paleo vegetarian um, cookbook? Yeah, that's kind of difficult. <laughs> I know. I was just kind of. Um, you can obviously do lots of salads and stews and things that are vegetarian and that mm-hmm. and that are grain free. Yeah, um, but, but we're sort of on the gaps side of thing where you, you need you the can't broth. Do gaps vegetarian or vegan? I'm, you just really can't. You need the egg and the egg yolks and the yeah quality dairy. And what do you think about all that, Fuad? Yeah, um, I mean, definitely there are paleo vegetarians. I've met them. They look healthy. Uh, and, um, you know, I understand a lot of people won't eat the meat from it for ethical reasons or environmental reasons. If they're paleo-vegetarian, do they have legumes? Uh, no. Okay. No, yeah. Uh, they, they do do a lot of coconut products. Okay, and okay. Um, and that's where they, yeah, they tr- just try to get their uh, fats, like their saturated fats from coconut and palm and things like that. Uh, but... Um, just, I mean, there's uh, a lot we, of recipes you can If you're a paleo vegetarian for ethical reasons, then totally understand. If you're uh, f- uh, a vegetarian for the environment, I really encourage you to look at, um, you know, the beneficial, uh, like the benefits of eating meat that's come from grass-fed cows. Because it's very, very different to what the propaganda is now saying. Like, you know, you watch all these movies or read all these document, like books and documentaries, mm-hmm. and they'll be talking about, 
you know, vegetarianism um, being a better alternative because cows are being, um, you know, um, put in feedlots and factory fed. And, um, and in Australia, that doesn't happen much. Uh, we, we have a lot of ethical practice around that. Um, for instance, I know all our lamb is grass-fed. Yes. Um, mm. So, you know, and try that if you're trying to avoid seafood, which, again, you've got every right to, but, you know, like a um, wild-caught prawns are really good food. Oysters are really good food. Um, they, uh, you know, see if there's options for you because it, it is really difficult it's, uh, to go on a vegetarian paleo diet. It's not, not doable, but I know a lot of people... Um, will have a lot of sweet potato and a lot of coconut in their diet to just add a lot of that really good starch and really good fat and that will become the, the basis of, of their diet and it's a restrictive diet uh, compared to one that has meat in it but you know every time you remove a, a core food group out of a diet it becomes more restrictive I mean that's one of the criticisms criticism of paleo that we don't have brains and legumes uh, but um so, you know, we, we have to understand that people will want to take a food group out for some reason or other, but sometimes it's not going to be to your health benefit to remove something as nutritionally valuable as bone broth from your diet. It just won't do, do you the, you know, the good that you expect. And, um, you know, but there's other ways of trying to get these uh, things into your diet if you know, for various reasons. If it's ethics, you should be able to find a way to get around it. I think um, things like uh, vitamin K is, is problematic. Is that right? Because I don't know. Uh, when you're on a vegetarian diet. I think that's uh, true. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's just not as bioavailable from um, plant products. That's the, that's the case with quite a few nutrients. Like I know B12, you, vet, you, yeah. you have to supplement yeah, B12. If, yeah, you, yeah. if you're not eating <laughs> And, uh, yeah, long-chain omega-3s as well are problematic, mm. uh, which you get from pretty much just seafood and uh, grass-fed dairy. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's these are things that you'll, uh, you'll miss out on in a vegetarian paleo, but uh, it's doable. I've seen healthy people on it. I haven't seen them on it for a long, long time. So mm. I don't know if there's, like, longevity studies or, like, people who've been on it for 10 years and we've seen that they're fine. I don't know at all about that I'll be very hesitant to do that with children yeah. I think yeah. children need, need meat um, yeah, yeah. but good luck yeah and I think I think it's it's a really uh, difficult uh, thing to do but um, if, if that's your conviction it's you know highly respectful of that and uh, yeah. if you've got any questions you can email us that we can help you on your journey yeah absolutely did you want to mention I was just going to say um not so much vegetarianism, but veganism. Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride, actually, kind of a vegetarianism as well. She says it, it, in children, it's almost a disguised form of starvation. Like she just, she she wrote the gaps yeah. books uh, for those of you that don't know. She just says, really question why you wouldn't be feeding your kids these foods just because they're so vital for growing bodies. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if it's an issue of karma and whatever, like. Yeah, yeah, like to each their own. Like, very. Yeah. I don't want to be disrespectful. I'm just putting that out there for those yeah. that are kind of on the fence and not really sure what, yeah, why they're doing something. Or... If it's a health thing or a bit of a trend mm. or an experiment, just be be so careful with and children be, yeah. and be mindful of all the nutrients they need. And if you're going to take big steps, really be educated about how you're going to make up for it in yeah. other parts of their diet.
Yeah, and I think also if you come from a place of sickness, it might be worth your while just accepting the fact that you're going to have to eat meat products for a while until you get back to a healthy place. Yeah. And then when you are at a healthy place, you know, where you can go to become a vegetarian again and you can eat those foods. Like, you know, in India, they thrive on a vegetarian diet that includes dairy in it and they do really well. Um, but, um, you know, just get your place, get yourself out of sickness and into health. And then from there, a paleo vegetarian diet is really good. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to mention too, a lot of people think of paleo and GAPS as very meat heavy. And I, I know it can be, um, but I try to make three quarters of the plate veggies. And yeah. like you can do that. And, and the meat can add the flavor and you can have the fat in there, which totally satiates. Um, and then you've got, like we said, the fillers if you want to. Um, but you don't need to have gigantic amounts of meat, but it is part of the of, of a healthy diet, I think. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Okay, well, we'll stop there. And if you do have any questions, feel free to email us or um, ask us questions on our Facebook pages. Mm-hmm. So, Fuad... Um, where can they contact you best? Yeah, so uh, my blog is thefoodblog.com.au and um, there's a contact form there or you can send me an email at fuad at thefoodblog.com.au which is F-O-U-A-D anything actually that you send to thefoodblog.com.au comes to me so you can just type any kind of funny email address that you wish (laughs) and then you've also got the Facebook page which you might check if you're lucky (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> well, it's uh, facebook.com slash the food blog is yeah. where I'm at. Yeah. Okay, and for Rachel? Uh, yeah, you can uh, probably my Facebook page, so either the Real Soup for the Real Soul um, Facebook page or ask in Quirky Gaps group. Yeah. Um, or if it's something really quite specific, you can email me at frostedbirdcage at gmail.com. Okay. Yeah. And mine's Quirky Queen. So um, thanks so much for listening, guys, and we hope that was helpful. And I'll put some links underneath so that you can click through to our pages and um, we'll just be here if you need to ask something. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this Wellness Catch podcast brought to you by Audible. Do you find that you just don't have time to read all the awesome books that you hear mentioned on the Wellness Couch? Well, Audible might just have the answer. Audible is offering the Wellness Couch listeners a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. You can get books like Eat Right for Your Blood Type, Why We Get Fat by Gary Torps, Paleo Diet for Athletes, or even The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. So to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash the wellness couch. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash the wellness couch for your free audiobook. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.